The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Well, thank you for joining us today on Truth and Love Radio, Pastor Sharam Hadian here with you. We're grateful for your support of the Truth and Love Ministry and the work that we're trying to do in speaking the truth and love on various critical issues that are affecting the church, our nation, and the nations of the earth. And folks, on the program last time, I shared with you a brand new presentation that we are we have uh, put together called Hated for the Cause of Christ, The Rise of Islam and the Growing Global Christian Persecution. And it is very, very critical that I mentioned on the last program that it is connected to our Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue presentation. Really, these two will go hand in hand because the more we see interfaith and the more we see the promotion of Islam as equal and, and Chrislamic uh, practices and so forth and so on, and, and we all worship the same God and common word and common God and all of this erroneous, unbiblical nonsense, the more we're going to see a, a rise in the persecution of true Christians in the West. The more we see the rise of Islam globally, the more we're going to see a rise of persecution of Christians globally, and the more we're going to see a rise of anti-Semitism globally. And that's the, the, the case we're going to make in this presentation, number one. Number two, we're going to bring attention. We're, we're going to put a light where the light has not been. There is silence in the face of evil happening in the church because most churches will not and are not speaking of the potential Christian genocide that is happening worldwide as we speak. The narrative is sickening that is coming from the West, coming from the media, coming from liberals, coming from um, liberal churches, progressive churches, progressive evangelicals, that it's not Christian persecution which we're worried about. It's Muslim persecution by the hands of Christians. And this is nonsense. So in these shows, we're going to really bring light to to this uh, issue of Christian persecution expose the fallacies of the Muslim persecution, Islamophobia, all these things, and and make this connection for you. I want to jump in by looking at John chapter 15, verse 18 again, which is the verse, which is where we got the title for the presentation, Hated for the Cause of Christ. And I, I, I covered this at the end of the last show. I want to cover it again real quick. Jesus was preparing his disciples for what was to come. He was about to leave them. He was about to leave them in a manner that they were not expecting because their worldview was all wrong. I covered this again on the last program, part one. And as he's leaving them and and breaking extremely uh, troubling news to them, extremely difficult news to them of his arrest and trial and suffering, death, and, and, and of course the good news was the resurrection, um, he, he is preparing them. He is giving them a lesson in preparation. This is the same message to us today, that as we are awaiting the coming of the Lord, we should be prepared for how to walk out our faith in the midst of persecution. 
One, be aware of it. Two, make sure that we speak of it, that we we honor, as I mentioned to you last program, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. So we should be honoring and suffering with those who are persecuted as brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be remembering them, praying for them, praying for their families, giving God glory for the blood of the martyrs that testifies to his throne, his glory. But at, so, so we should be doing that, but at the same time, we need to be preparing. So let me go and read this first, and then we'll get into the details of this presentation. So if the world hates you, Jesus says to them, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Now, this is very important because that I've said to you on this program time and time and time again. We have a social gospel, progressive, uh, cultural Marxist church uh, with all this interfaith garbage that has basically decided that it is more important to be tolerant and to be relevant to the world than to stand for Christ uh, and, and his righteousness. And as such, they'll compromise on every issue to try to win the love of the world. But yet the Bible tells us we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Jesus just told us we're not of the world you, because you're not of the world. He just said it. So he took us out of the world. But, I mean, we're in it. We're still there, but we don't belong to this world anymore. And as such, there there is going to be hatred for us for simply living out our faith. So where is it in the Bible that we are told that we are going to have blessing after blessing after blessing in the world, that we're going to have material success or we're going to have the success of the world? It doesn't promise us that. And so this is the premise which with, with, which this presentation is built upon to ultimately not only bring light and attention to the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to also prepare the church for what is coming, which is a greater global persecution as we are in these last days. Now, let's talk about the connection between the rise of Islam and growing Christian persecution. So first of all, Islam is not not new. We know that Islam has been around for over 1,400 years. We know historically, if, if, if we're, we're even willing to do an honest and earnest look into Islam, we know historically that from, its, from, from the moment that Muhammad migrates the Hijra to Mecca, to, to Medina, I should say, to Yathrib, which was later changed to, Med, to Medina, and, and, and then subsequently after his death, the subsequent uh, rightful caliphs, the Rashtun caliphs. We know that Islam was on a warpath, that Islam persecuted, persecuted, persecuted those who were unbelievers within Islam. And as such, uh, Islam became, historically, has been the worst persecutor of unbelievers in human history. Uh, Dr. Bill Warner who many of you know, politicalislam.com, has done extensive studies of Islamic warfare over its 1,400 years and estimates that the death toll that Islam has left of killing unbelievers in the name of Allah in jihad is over 270 million. Let me repeat that. 
$270 million. There, there is nothing else that compares. You could put all of the Holocaust together, and it doesn't compare to that Holocaust. Now, has it only been Christians and Jews? No. Islam is, uh, in, in one sense, does, will not discriminate against the type of unbelievers um, when it is conquered. But is there a specific angst and a specific uh, mission, let's say it that way, for Islam to resist and fight Christians and Jews? And the answer is, without doubt, yes. So if anybody is going to do a honest look at Islam and they don't see this, they're kidding themselves, they're lying. As we speak right now, there are 56 predominantly Muslim countries. You throw in Palestine, according to the UN, you know, it's 57. The 56 countries, if you look at a map, you'll see that it is not only in the Middle East with countries like Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, uh, Saudi, Oman, uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, but it is spreading. Uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, we have Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Central Asian area. We have India now. India is actually the most, um, let me say it this way, India has more Muslims uh, per capita than any other country in the world, actually numerically, than any other country in the world. Indonesia is the largest Muslim uh, populated country, meaning that it is an Islamic country uh, populated by Muslims. But the, the actual population, the numerical population of Muslims does not compare to India because India has 1.3, close to 1.4 billion people. And Islam is growing there. And by some estimates, it could be close to 30% of India now. So numerically, India has more Muslims in it than anywhere else in the world. So you see that. Then you see Africa. We have Somalia, Ethiopia, Sudan, Egypt, Libya, Chad, Niger, Algeria, Morocco, uh, Mauritania, Mali, Niger, uh, going into South Africa. You have then Turkey. Don't forget Turkey. And, of course, what do you have going on in Europe? You have the makings of Arabia in Germany, in France, in the UK, in Austria, in Sweden. Norway, you have countries like Poland and, and, and Italy and Hungary, uh, Czech Republic that are trying to close their doors to these Islamic migrants coming in because of what it's doing to Europe. So we have a rise of Islam, and, and specifically since in our lifetime, we are seeing a movement towards an orthodox Islam. So it's not just a rise of Islam, because there are the pundits out there, if you listen and I hope you don't, but if you only get your information from the media or maybe those in our government or you're, or you're reading it just in a textbook from the, the public schools or, or you've learned it in a university, you're probably not getting accurate information because they will say there's a rise of radical Islam, right? How many times have you heard that even on Fox News? Radical Islam, radical Islam. Well, folks, as I have tried to teach you and I've taught many, many people around this nation there is no such thing as radical Islam when it comes to fundamentalist Muslims. 
there is either true Islam or there is a false Islam. Just like with Christianity, there is there is an orthodox Christianity, a biblical Christianity, and there is a false Christianity. So there is a scriptural Islam, an orthodox Islam, and that's what we're seeing the rise to. The reason for that is because within Islam, particularly within Sunni Islam, which if you folks, if you remember, that's the majority of the world's Muslim population. 83 to 85% of all Muslims around the world, 1.7 billion, are Sunni Muslims. There's only the, the second group, of course, is Shia, which is predominantly Iran. That's the largest populated Shia, excuse me, Shia Muslim country. Then you have Syria and you have Lebanon. I forgot to mention Lebanon on that list before. Um, the rest of the countries, Saudi, um, Turkey, Iraq, Egypt, Libya, the rest of these um, um, Middle Eastern and North African countries are Sunni Muslims. Indonesia, Malaysia, um, these are Sunni Muslims. Pakistan, Sunni Muslims, predominantly. Of course, there are Shia you know, spread out. And then in Pakistan, particularly, they have a very, very, very small sect and worldwide a very small sect of Muslims with less than 1% that are called Ahmadi Diya. But, uh, and then uh, there's another cult called uh, Sufism. But really, these are cults. They, they are, they are uh, not no- normal Islam. Why do I say there's a rise of Orthodox Islam? Well, after the fall of the Ottoman Empire, particularly uh, 1918 was sort of the final blow, we saw a movement within many of these countries towards a secular version, quote-unquote, of Islam. Yet Turkey, of course, very secular throughout the uh, 19th and uh, you know, going into the uh, 1970s, let's say, 1980s. You had um, uh, Egypt, right? Husni Mubarak. You had North Africa, of course, throughout most of the 20th century. It has been... Uh, uh, fairly secular. You had Iran, which was fairly secular. So what has happened in the last 40, 50 years? We have seen a move towards orthodoxy within Islam, meaning that these nations are trying to go back to a to a fundamental version of Islam, and even from that point, more fundamental to the most strictest interpretation of Islam uh, within the Sunni school, which is called Hanbali. The, the, there are four major schools of Sunni Islam. The Shafi'a school is number three, and it is fairly conservative. But the Hanbali school is the most conservative, and uh, it is what we call today Wahhabism or Salafism. So when you look at ISIS, Sunni that is based on Salafism or Wahhabism. When you look at Al-Qaeda, that is Salafism or Wahhabism. When you look at uh, um, Hamas and Hezbollah, Hezbollah, of course, is more Shia, Hamas is Sunni. You look at a movement towards a fundamental understanding of Hanbali Islam. So Islam is reforming. When people say, well, Islam can go through a reform, Islam is reforming back to fundamentalism, orthodoxy, meaning we need to go back to exactly what Muhammad said, what Muhammad did, what early Islam was. We need to go back to that. 
we are not seeing a reform of Islam towards more secularism. We're actually seeing it go back. There was a movement towards secularism, and we're seeing it go back. Now, some will say, well, can't, can't they go back again? Well, the question is, was secularism within Islamic countries, within these Muslim-populated countries? Again, uh, let's take Iran, for example, my birth country. Muslim-majority populated, right? But it was for uh, decades, centuries, governed by monarchies. So it was not a theocracy as it is today, as it is the Islamic Republic of Iran, the only theocracy, Islamic theocracy, actually in the world. But it was a monarchy, secularly governed. Did you understand the difference? So as such, folks, the fundamentalist Muslims had to tear it down and establish orthodox Islam. So Iran today is the Islamic Republic of Iran, governed by Sharia, under an orthodoxy understanding of Islam. And we're seeing the same thing, for example, in Turkey. Turkey, which it, Turkey has not happened through revolution per se, but it's happened through coups and through you know uh, uh, getting people elected who are more Islamist. Turkey is now becoming orthodox, which means that we're, we're seeing a rise in persecution of non-Muslims, of, of Christians, of Jews, of, of, of women, uh, minorities, uh, of, of the Armenians and so forth and so on because Turkey is going towards an orthodox Islam. What about Egypt? What about Algeria, Libya, Morocco, uh, uh, Syria? Uh, what have we seen in these places? We are seeing a movement towards a more orthodox Islam and particularly Wahhabism. So Wahhabism is strict interpretation, the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law, the letter of Islamic law. That is troubling news for non-Muslims, what is referred to as the kafir or kufar, and it's troubling news particularly for Jews and Christians. And I will go through that on the next program, okay? So on the next program, you want to join us for part three, I will go through specifically why the Hanbali school of Islam the Shafia school of Islam and the Hanbali school of Islam within Sunni Islam and then within uh, Shia Islam. Um, if you actually look at Shia Islam, there are three primary schools in Shia Islam. And um, let, let, let me just break those down for you real quick here as well, just so you have a, a you know hopefully a good understanding of that. So again, within Sunni uh, schools of thought, you have the Hanafi and the Maliki, the, the Hanafi is the most liberal. Uh, that's where you would get, you know, to some extent, Sufism and, and the Ahmadiyya. But again, I, I gotta, I'm trying to explain to you, this is a minority. We're talking about less than 1% of the overall Muslim population. It's like those, those people who say, well, we're Christians, but you know that they're liberal beyond uh, biblical text. They're not true Christians because they're violating Scripture. So you have Hanafi, then Maliki, which depends on some of the traditions of the companions of Muhammad, but not Muhammad himself. The Shafi'a school depends on the traditions of Muhammad, which means that what Muhammad did is tradition, is Islam. And then finally, the Hanbali school, this is the strictest interpretation, as I said. Uh, uh, again, ISIS, the Muslim Brotherhood, Al-Qaeda, Hamas, Hezbollah, um, Al-Shabaab, Al uh, Boko Haram, these are 
yes, they're terrorist groups, yes, they're jihadi groups, but they are moving the Muslim world into a uh, fundamentalism, what we would say fanaticism, radicalism, but it's really fundamentalism. Now, in the Shia schools, here's the three, the Imami, the Zaidiya, and the Jafari. The Jafari is the most popular Shia school of thought. The Jafari is very, very similar to the Shafia school of Sunni Islam, the third one, in its comparison to depending on the traditions of Muhammad, meaning that that, that, that Shia Muslims have no problem trusting the Sunnah of Muhammad that is attributed to Muhammad himself. They do not accept many of the traditions of the companions of Muhammad, but if the Sunnah, the Hadith in particular, is attributed to Muhammad, they will follow it. It is Islamic. So these are the schools, and we are seeing the movement to that. Now, for the last few minutes of the show here today, I want to begin to give you some statistics. Again, we're seeing the rise of Orthodox Islam. Does that spell trouble for Christians? Yes. According to the uh, numerous sources, including um, uh, a a, uh, group called, and and let me get to here so I give you the right uh, uh, text here. So we have uh, SaveThePersecutedChristians.org, and I'll be putting these links um, in the notes page, folks. If you go to the notes page, you can you'll see the links there for it. Okay, so check it out there. Save the persecuted Christians. I highly recommend this one. You can see a ban. You can get a banner for your church. Stop Christian persecution um, and bring attention to it. But what I want to also uh, share with you is there are some other resources like Open Doors uh, USA, um, Rescue Christians, other resources that are there. But according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, right now as we speak, 215 million Christians, let me repeat that again, 215 million Christians are experiencing high levels of persecution worldwide. Okay? So, and this is based on, to some extent, the work that Open Doors has done. Now, I do not theologically agree with certain things that Open Doors stands for. Um, we have challenged them on certain things, and they won't answer certain things as far as Chrislamic practices within missions. But the one thing that I do believe they're doing well is focusing on uh, trying to give some numerical stats and, and light to the plight of Christians worldwide. However, with that said, I think their numbers are way low and way off. That's why I just cited the Global Center um, study of global Christianity, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. Let me repeat that one more time. The Center for the Study of Global Christianity. Again, uh, there's an article that I'll link that, that has that website. The 215 million is based on all of these nations that I mentioned, including Europe as well, and Christians living in these areas facing a high level of persecution. And again, on the next program, we're going to begin to go into specific details. Now, the Center for Study of Global Christianity points out, and and this is what is just extremely, extremely troubling, that between 2005 and 2015, and particularly these numbers have spiked since 9-11. So since 9-11, we have seen a rise 
let me make sure you understand. Since 9-11, we have seen a rise in the persecution of Christians. Now, Open Doors has much, much lower numbers. They estimate that, you know, there's maybe a few thousand Christians that are killed a year, a few thousand meaning uh, two, three, four thousand a year. Yet, where is that article here? Hang on one second for me. There's an article that I'm going to link from from our friend LeoHoman.com. Leo, L-E-O-H-O-H-M-A-N-N.com. And here is the uh, title of the article. Media ignores latest wave of horrific attacks on Christians around the world. Exactly what I've been saying. This is specifically talking about just Nigeria and just this year. Okay? So Open Doors estimates that um, there was, for example, they will say from November 1, 2015 to October 31st, 2016, they documented 1,207 Christians who were killed for their faith around the world. Well, that's just that's just not accurate. I don't know how they're documenting this, but again, let me just give you this statistic. In Nigeria alone, in 2018, thus in 2018, how many months are left in 2018? We have the rest of July, August, September, October, November, December. So we're only halfway through, just just over halfway through 2018, correct? The the websites, persecution.org, persecution.org, and Barnabas Fund, and to some extent, opendoors.org. And again, if you go to Leo's article, these links are there. They're estimating that more than 6,000 Christians have been butchered thus far by Islamic militants in Nigeria alone. 6,000. 6,000. And hundreds more have been displaced, meaning that they've been run off. And and again, we'll talk about this uh, more in the next show. According to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, their research has shown that the numbers between 2005 2015 are 90 not sorry 90 are yeah are 90,000 a year and that means that we're talking about if you do the math of 90,000 martyred a year for those 10 years you're looking at 900,000 if we bring that number to 2017 so 2005 to 2017 you're looking at 1.1 million Christians martyred if that's true that's numerically the worst persecution of Christians in any span of time, I believe, in church history. This is a genocide. It is an epidemic. It is, again, silence in the face of evil, and it's not being talked about. These are staggering numbers. We are going to cover this. We must cover this. We will not be silent. This ministry will not be silent. Christian, my brother and sister in Christ, you cannot be silent. And the more Islam rises, the more these numbers are going to go up. Because you will see next time that the worst perpetrators of persecution against Christians is Muslims. Period. Stay tuned. Join us on the program next time for part three of Hated for the Cause of Christ. Our brand new presentation. You don't want to miss it. 
God bless you. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, We'll see you next time on the program. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.